Hello, and welcome to another virtual author event at the Poison Pen Bookstore. Today, I'm joined by author Tom Meshery and his editor, Jennifer McCord. We're going to talk a little bit about Tom's new book, The Case of the 61 Chevy Impala. Before we begin, I do want to let those listening in know that the Poison Pen does have copies of Tom's new mystery on order, and we would be happy to hold one for you or put one in the mail. Just give us a call or go online to the Poison Pen Bookstore, and we can connect you with a truly intriguing book. And now I'd like to welcome Jennifer and Tom. Thank you, John. Thank you for having us. And thank you so much for having us. Thank you for joining us today. Um, my first question for Tom is, can you tell us a little bit about yourself before you became a writer? Because as I was reading about you, your own life is more fascinating than most novels. <laughs> well, <laughs> John, you, you, you caught me at a, at, a, at a good time. Jennifer okay. and I are just finishing up the editing on my memoir. Oh. Uh, the Mad Manchurian, and uh, that's also a story in itself, how I got that uh, nickname when I was a professional basketball player in the NBA. Um, I was born in Harbin, Manchuria. I'm, uh, uh, my mother and father uh, escaped the Bolshevik Revolution in 1917 and, and settled in Harbin, northern China, and that's where I was born in 1938. I, I'm willing to admit my age, um, and, and we were um, interned in the Japanese concentration camp during the Second World War. So we didn't arrive in, in the United States until um, after the war, in 1946. So I'm an I'm an immigrant, and, and uh, um, I had to learn. Surprisingly, had to learn English as a second language. Uh, so it, uh, winding up being an uh, English teacher was really a shock to me. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and then of course, when I got to the United States, I became deeply involved in sports because, you know, John, it's, that's the way you become an American. Yeah. Sports is one of the ways you become an American. You learn that as a child. And yeah, I was picked on a great deal when I was a kid because I didn't speak English very well. And my mother sent me to school in short pants, if you can imagine. And so I, I picked up on the one thing that I knew I did well. I was very athletic and strong. And I picked up on sports and started to get involved in that. And that led me all the way through the various stages of athleticism. It took me to high school, basketball, college basketball. I had a scholarship to St. Mary's College in California. and then to the NBA, I was drafted by the then Philadelphia Warriors mm -hmm. in 1961 in the first round. And I'm, I went on to a 10 year career in, in the NBA before I retired. And uh, that's when I sort of went into, um, sort of into uh, free fall. I had no idea what I was gonna do after uh, this uh, long career in basketball. and, and and uh, settled on teaching and I just adored it and went on to a 25 year career as a uh, English teacher at, uh, in Reno High School in Reno. At that, that time I was already married and had children and we were living in uh, Truckee, California, which is up near Lake Tahoe. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I would drive down every morning and for 25 years I taught British literature and uh, Beowulf and 
James Joyce and, and, and loved it. And, uh, but it was about that time, and if we're getting back to writing uh, mysteries, it's sort of when I got involved in, in, in mystery writing. Now you've written other things before the case of the 61 Chevy Impala poetry and some other types of works. Um, can you tell us a little bit about those? Well, I've always, I, I always gravitated to poetry. I, even when I was a player, I think the I, first poems I ever published were in the Philadelphia Inquirer sports page. Oh. <laughs> so, a sports writer named uh, Sandy Padway uh, published uh, the poems, and my I remember my 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 teammates uh, uh, looking at me askance <laughs> as they read poetry on the sports page, wondering, "Oh my God, you know who who is this guy who's our teammate writes poetry? Can't possibly be." And, and but we're Russian, my you know, <laughs> it's in our blood. We're that's. You know, that's the way Russians think, I think. They think in terms of vodka and poetry. So it's, uh, they, uh, so I always thought that that's what I would like to do, and I have. I, uh, I actually didn't learn a lot about poetry until a little bit later. Um, I was about to retire and I took a class at the University of Washington. By then I was uh, playing for the Seattle Sonics of the NBA. Uh, in Seattle and, and uh, a good citizen of Seattle. And I took a class at the University of Washington from Mark Strand, who was uh, later a poet laureate of the United States, really a terrific guy. And, and he exposed me to, to modern poetry. I, you know, I was at that point, you know, doing, you know, some real bad imitations of Carl Sandburg. And, uh, <laughs> and so it's, it, uh, so then when I, I went into coaching afterwards, um, after retiring from uh, playing, and uh, I was uh, just a miserable coach. I was just terrible. I had no patience. And, and just, it was just not my daily work. And, and Mark, uh, I talked to Mark on the phone. He said, why don't you apply to the uh, University of Iowa's Writers Workshop? And I'll, you know, I'll send him a letter. And, and he did. And I applied. And I was accepted. And... I stayed there for two years and I got my master's of fine arts degree in poetry. And ever then, uh, from that point on, I wrote poems. I've written poems every day of my life and, and I've published four collections. And, and then of course, uh, you know, uh, here come the mysteries and I just love writing them. And, uh, and I'll do that until the universe calls me. Jennifer, what about the case of the 61 Chevy Impala when it landed on your desk said to you, I must publish this, I must edit this? Well, John, that's such a good question. Um, we get a lot of submissions and I remember I got this and I looked at it and I recognized the voice as being a former supersonic uh, NBA basketball player. And I thought, I wonder what's up with this. And his bio, he's being a teacher and he has MFA. And I skipped over the part that he was related to Tolstoy. <laughs> Until um, my husband said, do you realize that Tom's related to Tolstoy? And I went, what? And so, um, but all that was after I first started the first couple of chapters. And I, today is the birthday of my twin sisters, identical twin sisters. Yeah. And my mother was a twin. 
and I have twin nephews. And so we've been studied as a family about twins. How do they communicate? How do they relate? How do they do this? And when I opened it up and we have twin brothers, identical twin brothers who run a used car business in Oakland. And I immediately felt he had nailed what it's like to be a twin. Hmm. How do they relate to each other? How do they argue with each other? How do they have each other's back? How do they go through life? And these two are in business together and they're carrying on the family business from their father. And it had all the elements of a good mystery. Starts off with a murder. Mm. It starts off with who's going to solve this. It's an amateur detective. And it's all set during the late 60s, which is an interesting time period. And the other thing I thought was so well done is he has such a strong voice as a writer but he also built this community mm. in his book of the characters. We have the Janus, we have the place where they go to eat. We have all these places and you see that in the second book too. And so you have all these elements that make it um, a really interesting mystery to read. So that's what started me uh, right away to get involved with it. And then to say to Tom, because we take the first 50 pages, Tom, send me the full manuscript. <laughs> so Tom sent me the full manuscript. And then it was, I'm calling him to offer him a contract. Wow. <laughs> um, what can you tell readers about the book, Tom, without spoiling too much about it? Uh, well, uh, it's set in probably one of the most turbulent months of the 1960s, 1968, and uh, May, April and May, March, April and May. And uh, uh, so I think anybody who, who knows that historical period or is interested in that historic period would, would find that sort of fascinating. I, I, I learned, uh, when I first started to uh, read mysteries, I was uh, laid up with a, uh, recovering from a surgery and, and my neighbor, uh, turned me on to uh, the Tony Hilleman books. Yeah. And uh, no, I, you know, I was, I was, uh, I wasn't sure if I was going to read them, but I had my leg up on a pillow and I started reading the, the Hilleman books. And I just love those Lee Porn and Chi books. They're just fascinating. And I just love the culture. And I, one of the things I, I learned from that is that, that well, I just was amazed at what they could get, what Hilleman got into those books. He got in culture, he got in philosophy, he got in history, he got in humanity. I just was, you know, I just was um, hooked at that point. Yeah, I, you know, I love the show, I call mystery. I loved reading adventures when I was a kid, but, but when I read Hillerman, I just thought, oh my, this, is, this, this guy has really got it. And, and, and I vowed later, this is much later when I started writing uh, mysteries, I vowed that if I would do what Hillerman did, I would get history. History would always be a part of, of my book. And, and I would, I would want to have culture be part of my, my novel and uh, ideas and humanity. And, and that would, I would weave that with the murder, the, the murder mystery, the, the solution, and, and all of those wonderful Agatha Christie ideas that you, you know, as a private sleuth, you, you, you have to go through to, to find out who, who's done it. Uh, so, yeah, so that begins it. And then, um, you know, the, the Bravelli brothers or the Bravelli boys who have 
taken over from their, their father's used car business in, on East 14th Street in Oakland, California, are, are based loosely on a couple of guys I knew in college, two twins. Uh, uh, and uh, they started me thinking about them. And I, and I started thinking about twins. And I thought that they were very interesting uh, characters to uh, try and develop the, the twinness, the whole idea of twinness. My, my ex-wife is a, is a twin, so I know a little bit about twins. And then the, the setting itself, of, uh, they are a immediately, find, they find a dead body, by the way, in, in, in the novel. They, they repoed a car that they uh, sort of semi-lease or or sell to this disreputable character uh, called Sweets, who is uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's a, he's a, he's a sort of a semi burglar who you know, steals from the rich and gives to you know uh, good looking uh, 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 wives, single wives who uh, uh, who then appreciate him, and he's uh, uh, so these guys. Uh, find this dead body in the back, uh, in the trunk of this car, and, and they recognize it as Sweet's girlfriend. So they are off, uh, at first they, they don't want to have anything to do with it, but Sweet's and the past have saved their father's business from a gang, a very uh, evil gang of, of, uh, in Oakland. And the father is, as an um, immigrant, he came in, he came to the United States, and uh, I was, I was, I like putting in the immigration part of the story because that has a little bit of connection to me. So I know a little about, about a little bit about immigrants. And uh, the father believes in honore, which is honor, and he feels uh, that the boys, to save the family honor, should um, go out and and try and prove that Sweets is not killer because Sweets is the suspect of the police department. And uh, so that's sort of how it starts, uh, John. They get on that, you know, they get, they become private sleuth. Victor, the, the principal character, the principal twin, becomes the, the sleuth. Uh, Vincent is married already and has a child on the way. And so Victor cuts him a little slack. Now in the uh, <laughs> second book, it's pretty much the same way, but I've started the third already. Uh, the, the, the case of the uh, Volkswagen custom van. And in that book, Vincent has a greater role as a uh, sleuth. Um, the, the, the two boys go on this, I mean, Victor goes on, he actually has to go out and buy a book on being a private detective in order to find out what it's like and what he has to go through to to find out who the murderer is. And uh, that's sort of the beginning of it. And then hopefully uh, the reader's hooked by that. Um, because it's set in the 1960s, I'm guessing that a lot of the information are things that you put in the book, things that you've experienced, but you also had to do some research too to get facts and things correct. Can you talk a little bit about writing a different historical period, how, what that involves? Yeah, I, you know, I did have to do some research. A lot of the, my research uh, had to do with uh, getting a hold of old friends who yeah. were a part of the, um, uh, the scene back then. Uh, in San Francisco was one of the uh, hotbeds of, uh, 
anti-war, anti-Vietnam War protests. And uh, so a number of my friends were involved in that. So I got a hold of a lot of them, got a lot of background on, um, on their, um, their experiences. Um, I also got, a, in, um, got a hold of a lot of African-American friends I had who were a little bit, uh, had a little bit better knowledge of the Black Panthers and what they went through. So I was, rather than being on the computer, I was researching other uh, friends and acquaintances I had from that period back then. Added to that, of course, was my own experience. And, and uh, I was pretty much involved in playing sports at that time, but I was part of a, a group of athletes who were sort of anti-war and, uh, and um, so I knew a lot of the guys and, uh, you know, the Jack Scotts and so on. And uh, so I got a hold of them. And then, of course, I did get online. You know, online is wonderful. There's so much information out there. And, uh, and I wanted to make sure that the, uh, I wanted to make sure that all of them, a lot of the research I had to do was go uh, online was about music and the culture I, that I had forgotten. Like, what are the, Wait, what are the great songs that were going on? You know, because Victor's, uh, you know, Victor's driving in, the, in in his car and he turns on the radio. It'd be, you know, be foolish to be, you know, doing something with, you know, some song by Lady Gaga while he's, <laughs> you know, while he's while he's driving. You know, so so he definitely had to get, you know, some some uh, some some research in, in that way. Uh, you know, so I had to do quite a bit of research and all. It's a fascinating um, picture of the times that you really put into the books. It's very vivid, very evocative, and you have those wonderful little details that I, as a reader, love discovering because you'll learn things like, I think somewhere in the book you mentioned $500 bills and how they were going to go out of circulation, and I never really thought about that. I thought, wow, that's something that happened then. Well, John, that, that, that I did find that online. I did go oh. back and... and, and, and look at culture and, and see where what was going on at that time i don't i you know i was i'm with you i don't i don't remember that at all but so when i was looking at it on screen i thought oh this is terrific you know and, and i think if you're you know i think if you're a mystery writer if you're a writer in general if you're a novelist you one of the things you have to have is curiosity i mean you, if you're not curious about things you're, you're probably not going to be a writer and um, so every time i got online it was called research rapture. Somebody told me. I mean, you get online and you start doing research. Next thing you know, it's you know, it's it's lunchtime. <laughs> when you were working with Tom Jennifer, did you know from the first that this needed to be a series? Did you think this has to continue? I think he taught he wrote us that it was a series. Okay. So I had a feeling it would be a series. Um, and it's the first I've heard about book three, Tom, because um, I've read book two, we're working on book two. Um, I think that was important that it be a series um, in terms of just the kind of characters that he's developing and the fact that Vic Victor is going to be a start off as a private detective or amateur sleuth. It's you want to see him develop. Is he going to figure that out? Is he going to have to just make a decision to become an amateur a private detective? Can he still be in the used car business? How's that going to work with his brother? Um, he, and Vic also finds the love of his life in these, this series. And so how is that going to work for him? So there's lots of potential for character development for both brothers, plus the family. 
the Italian family because there's other siblings. And in book two, we have the, the older brother is part of the story. So it's an interesting uh, storyline. There's lots of potential for it. And I like that. And I also like the used car business. I was looking, you know, you're reading for settings that are different, um, that are interesting. Um, I'm not a particularly car person, uh, but I think I learned a lot about cars from reading this and just in general and the used car business and what they have to do. And that was important. Um, and I also, I think Tom Carrick captured um, the times really well. He created that world really well uh, of Oakland in the late 60s. And it's interesting, I have family who are living in California at that time and I talked to them about that too and what they remember about the late 60s in Oakland in that area. And Tom, you really caught that area of what was going on with the Black Panthers and everything else and just the anti-war and what was happening. So that was really interesting. And we had discussions about that, didn't we, Tom? We sure do. Wow. Yeah, we had discussions about how that worked and did it work for everybody, all of us who were reading it. So I thought that worked. So he did Jennifer's create a study. And John Jennifer has provided me with so much great, so many great suggestions. Mm. She's a real pro. And uh, I'm just, you know, I'm a total amateur as far as mystery writing is concerned. I think I know a lot more about it now than I've finished one, uh, two, two novels. But, um, you know, I couldn't have found a, a better editor oh, ever than Jennifer. She just uh, managed to, to nail a lot of the things that I needed to really con consider and reconsider when I was writing. And so it's been, uh, it's been a real pleasure. Hmm. Yeah, the other thing, Tom, that was uh, for Tom and uh, John was interesting is we have Winona, the victim, and how the victim is, is worked with in this book is also interesting. Tom understood that not only do you build the live characters, but you also think about what happened to the person who was murdered. And so we have the ghost of Winona showing up a little bit. And I thought that was interesting with the Italian story of that, of his, his great aunt, right, Tom? Yes, yes. It's, it's very much a, an Italian uh, way of looking at death. Right. Which was also really interesting in terms of weaving that into the story. I thought that was a um, really particularly creative way of looking at death and what was going on with this, with Winona. It sounds like the series is um, going to be built around, for lack of a better term, the hook of cars, because you use that in the titles. Um, did your series character develop his love of cars from you, Tom? Uh. <laughs> well, yes and no. I I think uh, I think my original uh, buddies from college uh, were such great, knowledgeable car guys that when I was going to college, they were the that was their top main topic of conversation, mm -hmm. and so I learned an awful lot about cars from them. I'm not like Jennifer. I'm not a car guy, but I became sort of a car guy. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, just in the process of writing about cars, and I needed a I needed a jumping off point. I knew they had to be in the used car business, mm -hmm. so I knew that I needed to have um, something in the title that would bring the reader uh, to the book, to the you know to pick the book up off the shelf, and mm -hmm. and uh, and I thought that that would be the way to do it. So 
I, it's my intention in the series that every uh, future novel will begin with uh, an automobile. It could be, you know, the next one is going to be a 1966 Ford Mustang, but there's always going to be, it's always the murder is going to be built around, uh, tangentially around the automobile. Um, the, and the next one is the Studebaker, I mean, the Volkswagen. And I, you know, I don't mean to surprise you, Jennifer, but there's also <laughs> going to be a Studebaker involved oh, there <laughs> at some point down the line. You Good. know, I have some idea that maybe I might be able to get halfway through what Hillerman did. You know, I think he got 19 Dochi uh, mysteries, but. Um, uh, yeah, I want to build. I wanted to build around uh, uh, something that's really constant, and it seemed to me like that was just a natural. They, they they're in the used car business, and you know, let's let's see what uh, you know. People love cars. It's a part of the American culture. Is automobiles, and and I actually love exterior cars. I love. I, I'm not so much of a motor person, but I do love you know upholstery, and I love the color schemes and. And you know the stuff that's more artistic, I think. My next question, I guess, is both for you, Tom, and for Jennifer, because you see it from different perspectives, the writer and the editor. How, when you're writing a book set in a time period as tumultuous as the 1960s, do you capture that realistically, but also so that the modern reader understands things have changed? I mean, things happened in the 1960s that we would not necessarily be comfortable with today, but it's real to that time period. So how do you balance those two things? Well, I'll let, I'll let Jennifer start with that because uh, I was, uh, you know, she really had to uh, um, give me some really suggestions about that because I, I, I sort of spoke in the language of the 60s and uh, that's just got to be very careful uh, these days, apparently, of what Jennifer told me. And uh, so uh, I'll let her uh, okay. finish that. I think part of it is the is the characters. It's how Tom built the characters that mm. helped us see the 60s through their lens. It was the lens of the characters that are in the book. So by, by virtue of that, that helped contain what was going on in those tumultuous times. I think because each character, we have the Black Panthers we have um, the bicycle. I mean, we have the um, we have other characters in the gangs. We have the gang, the motorcycle gang. We have various characters that come in the police, and each of them have a point of view that Tom has with the characters. So that helps. Um, again, the setting of the used car um, business. Um, I love the fact that on Saturdays they have the barbecue for the community. So there's, again, we have a ability to have characters come in and out. So we see what's going on in the times. And it was uh, woven really good, which is the skill of Tom, the writer. His prose that he brought to this helped create that. And you didn't overwhelm the reader with that information, but also because the goal is a murder mystery to solve the murder, that also kept the focus moving forward. So we weren't involved so much in the political statements of the time, meaning that we weren't, we had them in there, but they weren't the focus of the story per se. We're still trying to figure out who murdered who, 
because there's a second murder that takes place. So what's going on here? Does that, I think that's how I saw it is the ability to keep the focus going. I didn't want the book to be didactic. I didn't want to, uh, I wasn't planning to be a historian. Uh, Jennifer's right. I wanted the characters to, to, to uh, take the story where, where they were going. And so a lot, of the, a lot of the book, there's a great deal of emphasis on dialogue. And I think it's uh, how, the, how the guys talk to each other and how they, they, they talk to their friends and, and how they talk to their to the, the, um, suspects and so on is, uh, moves the, the, the novel at, through the historical period of time. So it, it's almost like the historical period of time is just is background. Right. It is uh, an actual lesson in history. And, and, and as it turns out, I think it is a little bit of a lesson. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the action and reaction of the characters too, Tom, as Vic is going to meet with the Black Panthers, the reaction of everything that goes on and how people talk to one another. It was also through the character's point of view. So we all got what was going on through the various characters that you brought into the story, which would to me felt authentic to the times. Um, and we did talk about some times where I thought some of the language would be problematic of of how do you talk to people? So we did look at that and did discuss that at some length. Because you've written other kinds of things like poetry, Tom, did you have to adjust the way you wrote when you came to writing a mystery? Was there kind of some shift that you had to do? Because I'm guessing, and this is a guess, poetry is a much different kind of literary beast than mysteries. Yeah, yeah, it is. It certainly is. It's, uh, I I wasn't exactly sure how how I was going to write. I actually I have to I have to confess that I wrote a mystery, uh, an entire manuscript, uh, which was a mystery set in the again in the in the seventies in the early seventies, uh, uh, based on on sort of the radical sports guys that I knew, uh, mm -hmm. Jack Scott actually. Uh, and, and guys like that. And uh, I sent the manuscript to a friend of mine, John Jackson, who writes hard boiled mysteries. He uh, lives up in, in Montana. Uh, the, uh, and and he, he sent the manuscript back in, with a, with a, a top, at the top of the manuscript in red ink. He said, Miss Sherry, I thought you could write better than this. <laughs> <laughs> so I. I at that point, I, I I took that manuscript, I put it in the bottom of the, the lower bottom of the locker of a, a file cabinet I had, and I went back to poetry. Um, but then I, I John, uh, I realized when I finally wanted to get back to the mysteries, because I'm a pretty stubborn guy, I just decided, no, I, I did, I was able to write better than this. And, and I, so I got started on, on the mysteries again. And I went to John because I really admire his writing and I know that he's very smart. And he gave me a lot of uh, hints about writing. And, he, and one of the things he told me uh, in, when I first uh, sent him the, the, uh, uh, a, a few chapters of uh, 61 Chevy Impala, he says, no, no, don't, you can't do this in first person present tense. Because that's the way I started in first person mm -hmm. present tense. He says, it's just gonna be too, close, you're going to be too close to the character. You need to be, you need to distance yourself a little bit. It's okay, you know, to write present tense, but 
but don't get in that whole first person kind of thing. You're going to get in real you know, some problems with that. So, um, so I did change the, the point of view a little bit, and it turned out much better. So that was one of the things that I that that helped me along the way. And also, I I I being in Iowa, I was exposed to an awful lot of fiction, modern fiction writers, and back in in the in seven. Uh, I guess it was 70, um, 73, 74, when I was in, in Iowa. So I, you know, I would I listened to conversations. Uh, the fiction writers and the poets would get together at the parties, and I would listen to their conversations. So I had a lot of things in my mind while writing uh, writing fiction. One of the things I always liked was uh, uh, the idea of you know you just have to let the story. Uh, uh, reveal itself as as you go along. You're not going to know the ending until you you uh, turn the last curve of the road. You know, you start out with uh, you know as if you're driving in a car at night. And I can't remember which author said that. Uh, it's like you know, you, writing fiction is like driving a car at night with your headlights on. But you don't know where you're going to be until you make that next turn. Mm-hmm. And um, so I kind of went along with that idea that I'd let the story uh, uh, direct me in the way it was going to go. And I found out that the boys, actually Victor and helped me. The, the character in the story helped me develop the story because I, I sort of got into his head so much that he was... You know, he was like uh, my co-pilot, and uh, he informed me about where I should go. And I mean, that sounds so, you know, ethereal. I think I hope I'm, I'm, I'm not being too vague, but but I actually believe that the characters in the story drive you to, to through the story to its ending. I have to ask. There's a lot of references to authors and books in in your first mystery. Um, are those favorite authors of yours? Like I think Ross MacDonald was one of them mentioned. Oh, oh yeah. Well, I, I really am a crazy mystery uh, reader. I, I, oh, Ian Rankin, uh, Rankin is one of my favorites. And, and, and I, you know, I love Anna Leon. And I mean, I, I'll read them, uh, you know, uh, I, yes, they are a lot of my favorites. I like Ross MacDonald a lot. John McDonald too is pretty damn good. He's Travis McGee's a pretty good character, and so I, uh, yeah, I love I love writing, uh, reading mysteries, and and you know I read I taught so many uh, classics uh, too. So it's uh, it's kind of, the, the mystery genre got me uh, was a little bit more relaxed. I could I could kind of kick back a little bit with it. And still get all of the wonderful things that come into some of the classics. I, you know, I, you know, I see, I see Ian Rankin as I, you know, I find him as fascinating as any philosopher. And, you know, that that poor Rebus guy is so, you know, in his drunken stupor sometimes, you know, comes up with some wonderful ideas. So uh, yeah, they are. The answer to your question is yeah. I'm a, I'm a big mystery fan. And was the um, references to War and Peace a nod to your own literary ancestry? <laughs> well, I think that's my ego talking. <laughs> I, 
uh, he's not an uncle or anything like that, but he is a distant cousin. <laughs> um, before we run out of time, and I can't believe how quickly it's gone by, you've mentioned there's going to be more books in the series. Um, do we want to say anything about those, either Tom or Jennifer? Well, I just want to say we've got the, we're going to bring out, Epicenter Press is going to be bringing out his uh, memoir. And I'm working with Tom uh, to get that finished and to have the photos sent to us. And then you have a couple more mysteries, but we also bought your story about um, the young boy who has hops, right? The kid, the kid has hops. Has hops. That's a standalone. We, also, we have a fiction standalone book too. Yeah. Um, and I enjoy reading Tom's writing so much that when Tom tells me you have another book in the drawer, I'm like, Tom, maybe we should see that. Because <laughs> <So, laughs> um, uh, uh, John, you're right. He has such a strong voice as an author that uh, it really is um, you when I get uh, Tom sends me his manuscripts. It's like, okay, what can I get done quickly so I can start to read Tom's new manuscript and see what he's up to um, as a writer. Uh, and the other one other thing is popular fiction often has little kernels of truth. I always think of that they sort of slip in where characters say something that's, oh, that's really the truth about your life or some part of your life. And Tom, there is a lot of that about going on in your mysteries. You have little kernels of truth of people living and relationships and what works or what doesn't. And the whole thing of honor in this book. Uh, what does honor mean? It isn't just solving the murder mystery. It's what is honor for Vic and Vincent and the family. And that's also in book two. And I'm sure it's in the rest of the books. What is honor? And I think that's also something that's in your memoir. What is honor? So that's an important value. That does come through in the books. Yeah. Well, um, do you have anything else you'd like to add before we have to sign off? Tom, do you have something? Well, I just didn't mean to surprise you, Jennifer, but I've got uh, I've got uh, I've got <laughs> outlines for at least three or four more of the Family Brothers <laughs> mysteries if you're willing to look at them. So. Oh yeah. So John, you heard it here. <laughs> yes. Readers, <laughs> readers that love this first book will be glad to know there's yeah. more in the works for that. One other thing is why I got into I was in a book selling business years ago in my life. And one of the things I always wanted to make sure is I had new books, new authors that I would find and books when I went and pack them, it was like Christmas for me. Mm -hmm. It was like, I open the books. Oh, here's the box of books. What can I see? What have I not known that's coming? And I'd always love to find a new author and get involved. And luckily I've been able to do that. Well, I'm glad you got me involved. <laughs> <laughs> and I so appreciate John's dialogue about books. Oh, well, thank you. I'd like to thank um, Jennifer and Tom for joining us today for another virtual author chat at the Poison Pen Bookstore. And for those of you listening in, Tom's new book is The Case of the 61 Chevy Impala. Feel free to pick one up at the Poison Pen or your local independent bookstore. Thank you, Jennifer and Tom. Thank you. Thank you John. Hello. We hope you're enjoying our programs and podcasts with authors. We'd like to expand them and your help would be appreciated, please make a donation at poisonedpenfoundation.org. 100% of the proceeds 
will go to help connect authors with readers in this difficult time. Thank you.